Welcome to the Doing Delta Midnight Podcast. We're back. Me and Big Dave from Costa Rica, David K. I love those sounds. Make that jungle sound again, bro. Fuck, I feel like I'm watching National Geographic right now as you do that. To all my relations here in Costa Rica, Pura Vida, connected with Naturaleza, a more simple way of life. We like to share the natural vibrations and herbal solutions to the afflictions of the population. This man has spent many years on an island. Many, many years on an island, as you can tell. Well, it's not an island, but people think it is one. But we're in a place in the jungle with the beach and the waves and the sun. Either way, it sounds irie. It sounds irie. It's a good place to be, a lot of life here. And we like to encourage life around us. And doing Delta, we like to encourage the aliveness of the people who hear us, too. Yep, that's definitely true. And, I, you know, this is like one of, hopefully this will be known as one of the coolest THC marijuana alternative websites and um, podcasts that you can hear on the net. And despite the fact that we have all of the bells and whistles to make it possible, we still have to go gorilla as Dave is calling me on the phone because none of our connections are working yet. And if we ever miss an episode, it's just because technically we're just too irie to communicate. That's right. You're hearing the old school hip hop in it, and that's what it is. Two turntables and a microphone and twisting those wires together and just plug it in here. And let's see if we can get that amp to work. And that's what we're doing. We're talking about all kinds of coats, the medicine and the plants of cannabis involves hemp and marijuana and of course our focus being more on the hemp side and completely on the lawfully abiding side of this field and from an educational standpoint so with that in mind I know you have a lot on your mind in terms of what's going on stateside and maybe otherwise in the industry and in the activity so tell me John what's on your mind from the east coast There's always something on my mind when it comes to this hemp and cannabis stuff. I've been following it and involved in it for a number of years now. And I look at all of the good and the bad and the ugly. And that's what I want to get into today. So what we're going to do first is we're going to get into the good. We're going to get into the good right now. And the good is that New York State is moving forward with its plans to do retail stores and getting those licenses going, which is good Um, as far as getting more cannabis into the hands of more people. I think it's definitely a beneficial thing for people to put their pills down that are laced with other things and pick your pills up that will be laced with THC in the future. So... The big thing in New York State is that 
there's a big social equity movement that's been going on. And some people, whenever you say social equity, you sometimes turn people off right away. But the simple matter of the fact is that marijuana and cannabis has been something, has been an area that has been disproportionately used against minority communities to support um, jail sentences and putting people in jail. And as a result now, it's kind of an odd time when you have all of these different states that are now going legal with all of these products and making great payments. Colorado, I believe they had paid like a great educational deficit. They paid off all their deficits since they've had cannabis legal. And yet you have young men and women that are walking around here, and not just minorities, that are walking around here with records based upon this um, THC plant, which is ridiculous. It's absolutely nuts. But the reason why I mention it with New York State is because New York State has introduced a program where they're actually making the first retail licenses available to people who have convictions for cannabis and other illegal drugs, which I think is a great move. Other states have done it, but New York State, definitely, it's a it's a great opportunity for them to do that, to kind of go along with purging people's records for felonies that came as a result of marijuana trafficking. We've seen that, but they're actually putting the money behind it. They set up a $200 million fund for people to take out loans, Interest is a little bit high, it's 14%, and that's available to the first 150 applicants. Dave, you think that's the right move to give people who have been victimized by the system and society over the years a opportunity to now get a piece of the American dream and participate in this system of democracy and economic system that we have? Well, from what I know, from what you said, it sounds like a very positive thing and a very appropriate thing. So um, it's important to always consider closely the architecture of uh, the actions underneath the announcements to make sure that they are aligned with and not contrary to the expressed aims. So not to project anything negative on this at all, I'm assuming and expect that it is the wonderful thing that it looks to be, but then in how it's administered could become either a blessing to the people involved in it or a way of entangling them with things maybe that were less beneficial to. So I think it's important to be forensic in our awareness of the administration of programs and enforcement of laws and things that we consider rather than only consider the surface element of it and celebrate the victory before we've seen the victory through. But yes, I'm completely in support of it. I I know and agree that um, the burden of the drug laws with, you know, the no victim crimes of personal drug use and consumption or even some low-level sales have been for sure disproportionately impactful on minority communities. And therefore, the fact that this balancing act is in a, a, you know, kind of an affirmative action direction. um, Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I know, I said that. You said the trigger word. 
You said the yeah, trigger word. But in this case, I'm in support of it, although in many cases I don't think it's the right policy for different reasons. But in this case, it seems like an appropriate uh, result. And so, yeah, I do support it from what we know. And what, we've, what you've found and shared sounds like a very good program. Jesus. And I'm very interested, like I said, to learn the details of it and then hopefully to be further impressed about it and see it as an instrument for the type of societal change and progress we need in time of crisis, which is what we have, where absolutely all around the world, poor people are getting poorer and desperate people are getting are starving. And that trend is meant to increase. And some of us hopefully can be instruments of mitigating some of those trends around us and improving the access of the poor to uh, health and wellness and c- continued vitality. Jesus, Dave, you just expressed a lot of discernment with that statement, meaning that you've gone from, you expressed that in some cases you're not with affirmative action being placed and that's just the takeaway it's got nothing to do with the conversation and at the same time you express the concern for poor people or people who are actually losing their status that was one of the one of the things we were talking about on my other show this week which is the fact that the middle class is a uh one of my friends was saying that he's in the middle class and he's seeing the group shrink slowly but surely over time So it's a matter of it, even if you don't think that the issue is uh, something that affects you right now, you better open up your eyes because sooner or later it's going to, it's like creeping towards everyone's doors or at least a lot of people's doors. So it's very important to understand the difference between perception and reality. Perception may be you feel like you're doing better. Reality may be something different. But in regards to the bill and everything, you're right. You hit on a couple of other things as well, because a lot of people don't want to pay taxes. They don't want to they don't want to get a bookkeeper. They don't want to do these things that are necessary in order to be a legal business. And we're going to see that work itself out over the next couple of years. I firmly believe that there are some places where the black market is going to be always going to be uh, an issue when you talk about a loan at 14 percent there's only one way to pay that back that loan and that's with a little bit higher price so are people going to be willing to pay the little bit higher price in order to support generally the community because that's what it really is those taxes will be going back into the community and a lot of people don't feel like that's even a They don't trust politicians and so many different things with this cannabis business and the money that it generates and the feelings that people are going to have to go through. And we really need more discernment and people like you, Dave, who think like you, who are going to be able to separate the um, meat from the bone. Well, you know, what we what we can see in a situation like this is that Um, some of this target group of entrepreneurs who are now going to go into the program and take out the, you know, get the loan and now go into debt to trust that they're going to succeed in this business, we assume and hope the best for them. But let's play devil's advocate and think, what about 
the young, bright people who maybe go into this with the best of hopes, and instead of going underground, they go above ground, they pay all the taxes, all the licenses, go to the meetings, do whatever they're supposed to do, and then they find that we're in a global depression and people will not pay a premium anymore for their product, not because they don't want to ethically, but because more and more people start to cut out more and more things from their life because they can't afford coffee anymore or they can't afford, you know, marijuana anymore, whatever. And so they will go to the cheaper version of what you sell away from your premium of ethical value because of desperation and need, not because they choose it. And that's how, so, yeah, not factored well enough into the situation. And so I see a, a great danger in the midst of this um, silver cloud, I see a dark lining. Uh, be very careful about assumptions of market um, performance, development, have the size of your market. Consider it carefully and don't just jump in, take the money, and believe it's going to work out because nobody's looking out for you. And the government has shown that they're quite willing to announce big programs and start them and then ignore people or neglect them. You know, and that's that is like that is like a great point. Just this week, this past these past two weeks, I have an example of that where I got three different. I got three different. Um, it was the same strain. It was some type of Kush, and it was a good Kush. And I got it from one source, which let's just say it wasn't an above ground source. Okay, but I've got great sources, so that's cool. Um, a friend of mine went out to Vegas. I actually let a friend of mine try it. He went out to Vegas, and he liked it so much that he found a dispensary in Vegas that gave him that he was able to purchase the same thing, the same product, or at least it had the same name. Because, you know, they, there's all different types of strains. What you're going to get in one area, what somebody is what somebody is um, calling um, rents, for example, white rents, for example, is different depending on the source of the white runts. It might have come from a similar seed, but it's going to be a different grade. So, you know, he he bought um he bought some of this at a Vegas dispensary and he actually bought some of it back and he let me try it. And it was so strong. It was like extremely strong. It was to me it was like too strong. It was like sleepy weed. You know, that's like when you get to that point and everything it's like that's the stuff that it keeps you up and you're going for like you know three four hours and then the next thing you know you wake up and it's like eight hours later and you don't even remember when you fell asleep you just knocked out so it's good to me i like those grades of weed because you're still able to think you're still able to function the aspect of it i don't like is the fact that it knocks you out but he got that, and then he starts looking online, and he finds a medical dispensary here on Long Island that actually has the same product manufactured by the same company, and it's a little bit more. And that's an example of how it actually goes up in price from just depending on the three sources that you may find the product at. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it was kind of, I thought it was kind of cool and everything. And, um, you know, we try, I tried it. I liked it. 
but I didn't like it too much. And, you know, you've got to, and that's the thing about cannabis is that there's so many different grades. There are so many different things with sativas and um, so many different types of marijuana that do so many different things. You really do need to do your research. Unless you're just really looking to get high at that point in time, it doesn't matter. Just go grab a 40 and, you know, whoever's got the 40, whatever they're giving you, that's what you're taking. And that's cool, too. All right. So what else is going on in the world of, uh, let's, you know, hemp related? I mean, everybody's doing plenty of research with their marijuana uh, sampling and strains, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we said, I said I was going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So, I'm sorry. I'm paying attention. All right. So that was good. So now we're going to go to the bad in North Carolina. You had um, Pine County, North Carolina was the place, and there were some kids that were hospitalized, middle schoolers. And what happened was they, the school officials started seeing them. They seemed like they were acting funny in school. They were tripping out. And after doing some research, search and seizure, whatever you want to call it, I guess checking their lockers, Gestapo tactics, you know. I got to get a flyby for that. Gestapo tactics. But they caught these kids with THC gummies. So that's a problem that's going to... And this is... Those kids, even though they were just thinking that they were going to have a good time, whatever it is, they've actually caused a problem. They are going to now be an example that people are going to use against the industry for the next five or ten years. This has happened before. It's a semi-common thing, really. And it's an issue with... The, uh, the candies and things that are particularly packaged to look very candy-like. One of the reasons that we sell our gummies locally only in limited potency and in small numbers, like our local retailer sells them in five gummy small, um, small plastic containers or glass jars but not many to one person at a time, and everybody's advised not to leave them around randomly, that children could just see them or eat them. So that's part of what we consider our ethics, even selling the Delta-8 gummies or anything that could have that type of an effect on people to give a good education and context to whoever might have it, that it's not given to people mistakenly or hopefully, you know, abused by anybody around well you know from a marketing standpoint and you know this for a fact like one of one of the ways that we first met i was actually selling gummies online and my partner in that in that venture at that point in time his argument was that we're making a superior product it's a really great product i know what i'm talking about i tried it i tried them i loved them went around me loved them But the problem was that the packaging was just like a plain package, you know, and his thought process was that no frills is really the way to go because I don't really care because I know once people try them, they're going to love the gummies. But the problem with the gummies is that it's like that's a common sense like point of view to think that everyone should know what they're actually using before you actually buy it. But the pretty packaging is a part of the whole sales pitch and it is going to appeal to kids 
and younger people, it's going to be easier for them to essentially hide. And subliminally, I guess when you see a package which is like a pretty package, don't you think that there's a natural like tendency to be they oh it's just candy. Yeah, that's an issue. So that when I consider packaging designs and labeling, I'm gonna I am thinking in a way that makes it look more like a high-end cosmetic or pharmaceutical kind of a product while still looking stylish. I want it to look like an adult's product and not like a candy product or something that a young person would eat. So like if and when I make gummies, which I like the idea of like having a branded gummy, we could have, you know, do a Delta gummy, say, um, or Elevato, my, you know, Costa Rican company is starting. And so... My packaging for Elevato here in Costa Rica, for example, is also going to be designed in a way that doesn't look like it is targeted towards children or youth. It's not going to be playful or candy-like or soda popish because I'm going to have cannabinoids in it, and I want it to seem more like a, like I said, like a, a product you would encounter in a pharmacy or maybe in a bar, in some cases with the drinks. I love the idea of getting customers here for products like the Mighty Kind product and, you know, the D8, CBG, CBD, seltzers, like various seltzer drinks and things instead of alcohol. Um, I think alcohol does a lot of bad things to communities and to families and causes much drama in people's lives and using uh, cannabis-derived alternatives is a, a way of uh, really benefiting our uh, our culture and our, and our communities, I think, all over the place. I mean, is it really realistic to think that kids that are... I know no one likes this this type of conversation, but is it really realistic to think that kids at 13, 14, 15 years old, whether it be legal, illegal... They're going to obtain a certain amount of these products and you're going to have people experimenting with this stuff. It's the same thing as teenagers experimenting with petting. Marijuana is it's something that you do as a young person. So is it something that is it really that bad that it had? I think the best thing that really happened is that they lived. But to blame it on the, the industry per se or to make it a bigger issue than what it is, which is kids doing what kids have done since the beginning of time? I don't know. Yeah, well, just, you know, it, it isn't like that. It is what it is, but how big a deal it is, well, somebody would like to probably make it a big deal. But like you said, apparently, you know, happily nobody's died from this. People have died from, uh, there was the vape crisis where a lot of people got bad vape cartridges and did die from lung-related things mm. from that. So there are, you know, dangerous products in this industry for sure, and these cannabinoids have power and should not be misused, abused, and exploited in our lifestyles, but instead we should work to interact with them in a way that maximizes the integration with our natural endocannabinoid system so that we're improving the function of our overall system in, in many ways, which can be the benefit. But if we misuse these things, then it could create 
uh, some other imbalances to throw off some energies. So you have to do what's called as well taking a tea break where you just don't take any foods or THC-related intake at all for a day or two or three or a week or whatever you decide. But it's good to not That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, like over the years, I've for the advocacy for the helpfulness of these things for us overall. It's important to take occasional breaks and to pay attention to our bodies levels. Yeah, or if we we just push the accelerator all the time, we exhaust our natural ability to derive the benefit from those things and the full pheromones and oxytocin and whatever good good uh, good things come from it are reduced by that overindulgence and repetitive you know pushing of the button that's why i think cannabinoids are such a great thing as opposed to the other the options which is basically the existing system that we have where people are taking prescription medications i think it's a I'm much glad you said that and not to interrupt you but that was on my mind already and it really and here i'm gonna take it in an unexpected direction but i was thinking about the whole school shootings thing and violence and mass shootings and all that and realizing it's really in addition to the orchestrations and the political objectives that are involved at times with that, there is also a fundamental pharmaceutical influence at work. And what's happening is that the disregarded, mentally unstable people of the culture are pushed into pharmaceutical regimens that then warp them to the extent in this violent culture that they act out these mass shootings. So it's absolutely a co-production of the political establishment and the pharmaceutical industry with the educational system geared towards the military-industrial complex that pushes these people into these crazy actions. And somebody I was talking to that caused me to think about this is a woman who's here in my area now, Costa Rica, retired from 20 years in the Australian Army and then as an Australian police officer and here now. And she told me about the uh, event, the mass shooting event that took place in Australia that caused the Australian population to have all their guns taken away was orchestrated and she had inside information about knowing who the people were who shot the children who were supposedly shot by the crazy person and they're now multi-millionaires mm. who are retired from the police force like the two main shooters like stuff like that mm. anyway not too far into that you know edit what you need to but, right because um, that's when people start saying ah it's not believable but it's 100% believable these drugs that they give you these prescription drugs are amplifiers they're system amplifiers they amplify all of the negative things either health wise or mentally within your body they work to a certain extent for a certain amount of time and that's not to say that all prescription drugs are bad but there is an element in it that it has been used to manipulate people and manipulate behaviors that has to be that people need to be aware with but to bring it back to cannabis it's always best i've taken myself like i'll take a week off every now and then I'll go three, four days without doing anything cannabis-related. 
just to allow my body to better absorb it. And if you do too much of anything, if you're an alcoholic and you drink alcohol every day, you start off the first drink, gets you drunk. After a while, you've got to get through half of a bottle before you start to feel anything. So you've got to give your body an opportunity to adjust and adapt to these things. We're almost out of time on our half an hour, Dave. I wanted to talk about the... What's going on with a couple of other states in the United States, like Wisconsin, for example, where they have all of these different cannabis legislations that are coming up on the ballot this year. And there's also a statewide race for governor. And this is a state that's run by mainly Republicans, and they've been slow to come to the realization that 61% of their voters actually prefer cannabis reform and it kind of gets into the whole thing about what I was saying about you being a discerning thinker can a political philosophy and medical marijuana or marijuana or cannabis THC can they ever find like equal footing in ground yeah I guess I guess we're gonna see right that's uh very interesting There's a times. Lot being worked out by the marketplace, by the attempt of the big players to take things over. Something you mentioned earlier, talking to me about how the ratio of men to women in the industry is moving increasingly towards uh, male domination. Yes, and that's I another see that trend. As, that to me is reflective of. I'm sorry, go No, I, I was just commenting. That's another trend that we have that we're seeing in the business that's bad. I'm glad you mentioned that because let me just get to throw that in there and get your response on both of those things simultaneously because um, female-led cannabis companies right now, they're being devalued in the market by up to 30 to 40%. And the industry is becoming more male-dominated. We're starting to really mirror a lot of other corporate structures, which is not where we began at. 2019, we had 36.3% of the executive positions were being held by women, and now it's down to 22.1% in just a matter of like three years. As legalization starts to move forward, as all of these positive things start to move forward, we see a reduction and more of a norm of what American business has always looked like. And this is not to blow a, a feminist whistle or to basically dog whistle, I should say. The point of bringing it up is that um, we're seeing these things balance out in ways that are that we're so, that I would hope would be different. I'm personally for merit based everything, but then that opens up a whole other conversation about what is merit-based and how do you make sure that all the merits are being met and are, like, are I wouldn't say fair, because life isn't fair, per se, but at least there be a groundwork where we can actually have the best rise to the top, as opposed to having sexism and all these other things come into the business this business that basically will make it failing. Marijuana is one of the, it's probably marijuana hemp. It's probably, it's the only industry I see that has the opportunity to be a a saving grace in the United States of America. That's how I feel about it here in Costa Rica as well. And 
part of the role that I'm playing here is as a, a, a bridge to the best practices, knowledge, and connections to the industry in the U.S. specifically, mostly, uh, for the Costa Rican industry as it's developing. Mm-hmm. And in that role, I dramatically see that if it's handled in the optimum way, then it could be a, a dramatic, powerful engine for the vitality and relative prosperity of Costa Rica at a time where desperation and difficulty are to be expected on many sides of uh, the world. Definitely. There's room for it. There's room for everyone, but where I, I feel like there isn't room for, there isn't room for the um, same old status quo to come in and take over the cannabis industry. One of the things that I've loved about working in this and even just being a, a bystander and watching over the past few years is the number of people that I would come across that were a cross-section of everyone. I never really thought about it that way because it was just so natural to speak to a black woman, to speak to a white woman, to speak to you, to speak to um, Owen, to speak to even um, you know everyone that we've everyone that we've come into contact with. There's such great minds. And it's to think that there's someone out there that's thinking that because I have a that I have a different chromosome, I have a dominant chromosome, that I can do the job better than these people that are so greatly qualified and have been working in this field for years just because they want to monetize it. It's just like to me, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. To allow them to do it, I should say. It doesn't make any sense to allow them to do it. What do you think? I mean... Um, I think that... I don't know enough about whether there's anything specifically sexist going on, and I think any specific focus is really... A, it needs to be viewed in the context of the overall reality, which is that typical dominating action of the centralized uh, corporate type of actors who I don't think care anything about whether or not they're disenfranchising women and if they get to and they like that that's just a benefit like a side side benefit or something <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah they're disenfranchising me as a white man just as happily as anybody else if I'm advocating for what they don't want you know yeah, it could. Well, we I mentioned sexism. I didn't mention classism at all, and that could actually be what it is. It doesn't necessarily have to be the ism that I believe, or you believe, or someone else believes. It could be something completely and totally different that I'm not seeing, right? But it's all like my my point is not as much to discredit as a source as to say that the bigger reality is that there's a lot of imbalance and injustice and whatever to find and point to and the overall solution is you know we can get lost in the in the trees considering what's wrong with what they're doing to southerners or black people or natives or women and then pay less attention 
to the real actions that are shaping policy, which are fucking everybody at once. And that's why you get that. That's why the flyby is the best tool to use for you when you're making your points. Because they're great points. <laughs> <laughs> we do the flyby. So, yeah, so we're going to wrap it up right now. It's been a while. We have, we've gone a little bit over time. Dave. Thank you, John. It's been a lot of fun talking about all this and uh, the goings on and uh, rollicking through. You can cut out anything that's too offensive to the WEF. Oh, no, we're not we're not cutting out anything in this episode. <laughs> this whole this whole the only time I ever do cuts and when I do edits on episodes just by the way for the record is when it's something that's so heinous that it could possibly like harm one of my guests. Then I right, then for their protection, for their protection, I may cut stuff out of an episode, but generally Nah, we need more honest conversation. Whether you like it or whether you don't like it. Huh? Before you sign up, I'm going to tell you that I'm standing with my head in the middle of a bunch of cacao fruit. Like, I'm standing with my literally cacao fruit all around my head, like in a tree, though, on the tree. And I'm looking at hundreds of bananas on a counter that people pick from wherever and have, uh, you know, coconut bamboo, ginger, all kinds of flowering bushes around me and towering above. So yes. That's right. Nature is good. I would love to be there. Right, I would love to be doing there right Delta now. Again. Huh? I said doing Delta once again. Doing Delta Vivo. once again. Cuts it off. And a big shout out to uh, Josh. Congratulations for the release of the movie Clerks 3. I saw an interview this week with Kevin Smith. You know, he's the owner of Mighty Kind, and Mighty Kind is, Josh is an old friend of ours, and, or a, a uh, partner, whatever you want to call it, and... Um, well, Hemp Company, his brands are, uh, a couple of his brands are Mighty Kind and Loyal Hemp Company, and yep. uh, a lot of great things in the drink space. And I know a lot of people don't necessarily like The View, but Kevin Smith gives a great interview on The View. It was sometime last week. I forget the exact date, but my uh, better half actually pointed it out to me, and he was talking about his experience with cancer and his love for products. And if you were to go to that site, you'll see Kevin Smith is actually a user of the Mighty Kind brand. So. Big shout out yeah, It's all over the movie apparently There are many many places where you see the guys Drinking his drink It's pretty cool Yeah and I like the, I like the two movies So you know We gotta get something going with them on the website We actually uh, should be shipping their products out Through the website But either way doing Delta Bless Bless See you next, see you next Sunday night Peace